Welcome to A Seat at the Table, the Healthy Hartford Hub podcast. This episode features an interview with Dr. Kristen Cooksey Stowers, Assistant Professor in the Department of Allied Health Sciences at the University of Connecticut. The interview was conducted by Tyler Gillette and was written, edited, and produced by Ryan Bartell, Luke Izzo, and Erlen Claremont. This podcast focuses on the efforts of health justice advocates in Hartford, Connecticut, working to promote the expansion of health-supporting institutions in the north end of the city. A student interviewed Kristen Cooksey Stores, an assistant professor at the University of Connecticut in the Department of Allied Health Sciences. She also works at the Rudd Center for Food Policy and Health. She will be explaining her own experience working with the Healthy Hartford Hub, the obstacles other cities have faced when trying to solve food insecurity, and how to fix those problems when working with Hartford. Kristen elaborates on how she started working to solve the food insecurity problem in Hartford, and how she first felt about the city. I've been working with the North Hartford Promise Zone and the Healthy Hartford Hub Project since I came to Connecticut, um, actually initially as a postdoc, so even before I transitioned to uh, being a professor. I was working as a trainee, which was what postdocs are, and fell in love with the work, fell in love with the community, just passionate and all about sort of what their goals are in terms of addressing inequities in their neighborhood with a new grocery store. Kristen has done extensive research in food insecurity with the USDA and took part in developing a new tool that can be used to spot food deserts, which are places where there is not a lot of affordable, healthy food. I come to this work both like with academic training. So my, my doctorate is in public policy and medical sociology. Um, I worked at the USDA for a number of years and I was there when they launched the Food Desert Locator, which is one of my, you know, the highlights of my journey to the work because the federal government had published a map where you could find your street and your address to find out if you lived in a food desert or not. And I had just finished my bachelor's degree in ag econ. Using this new tool, formerly called the USDA Food Access Research Atlas, Kristen found that her childhood hometown was a food desert and how difficult it was for her and her family to go to grocery stores and gain access to healthy foods. Had never left the Midwest. I from Chicago and moved to the East Coast to work at the USDA when they were launching this locator, this food desert locator, and then was able to find my childhood home in the map and discover that it was in a food desert. And so it, it resonated with my lived experience in terms of how difficult it was for our family to get to grocery stores with reliable, healthy, affordable, fresh fruits and vegetables. And, and that, you know, it was a, a key part of my experience because my mom has always been about nutritious foods, um, has always taught us about balanced meals. I just didn't know that living in a food desert, we had to work against our access to get them. And so I didn't know that it wasn't normal to have to get on so many buses with my siblings and her to get to a grocery store until I uh, went to college and saw that, okay, lots of folks can just walk to a good store. Although the USDA's tool is helpful in many regards, it also has its limitations. Kristen discusses its inability to detect where there is unhealthy food in the community. One thing that stood out to me about the food desert 
experience and also the, the map that the USDA had put out was that it didn't speak to the unhealthy food that was in place of it. So it wasn't just that the, the community lacked a grocery store, but that there were a lot of unhealthy food options in place of it. And so when I left, the, I asked those questions at the USDA, why weren't we capturing corner stores or fast food restaurants that sort of prey on the community to fill the demand for food, even though it's not healthy food? And because that's federal government, that was too political of a question. This gap in the USDA's research data motivated Kristen to focus on not only the lack of healthy foods, but the surplus of unhealthy foods that are found in localities classified as food deserts. My work is looking at doing an overall comprehensive assessment of balance in the neighborhood, right? So it's not about finding a culprit in any one individual type of food retailer because grocery stores can't drive all of your health outcomes like fast food restaurants can't, but it's a overall balance, right? When there is a majority of healthy options that it matters to health behaviors, that sets the standard of what's normal, what's easier to access. A food swamp is a place where there is a surplus of unhealthy food that is more convenient to access with little access to healthy and affordable food. And so um, food swamps are about the relative balance between the two options because convenience isn't a bad thing. It's just that it's bad when you have 10 to one unhealthy options to just one farmer's market stand or something. Kristen wasted no time diving into this project. She started by scanning the food swamp situation in the north end of Hartford. I think that the Healthy Hartford Hub, is, and this is the work that we've done, we did a full food swamp food store scan of the area that the food grocery store would go in to get an understanding of what would the grocery store do to the balance the overall balance of the neighborhood food environment, what other competition might there be, right? How primed up is the community or that area for healthy eating? Kristen was able to make connections with Denise Holter, the director of the Healthy Hartford Hub, and Danny Singerman, the outreach coordinator of the Healthy Hartford Hub, who devoted a lot of their time in solving the food insecurity problem in Hartford. Uh, the Community Action Task Force, who I know Denise and Danny, are, they are like leaders of the Community Action Task Force. They're very active. They're very, you know, committed and passionate. You know, when we are at the Swift factory or the Y until 10 o'clock at night or during the pandemic, we're on Zoom until 10, 1030 at night. Together, they work to create profiles and geographic information systems or GIS maps that contain geographic data combined with software tools for management and analysis. Kristen also conducted interviews with local community members to assess the extent of the issue. I worked with uh, Danny and Denise and others on the CADF. We created neighborhood profiles. We designed, you know, using GIS maps and I interviewed folks and added quotes and we took pictures to get a sense of what the neighborhood food environment looked like, you know, before a store would come. But ultimately, the solution would be a multi-pronged approach, you know, the grocery store plus what, um, you know, other outlets to support healthy food and then some policies, subsidies or regulations. Finding solutions to food swamps in Hartford was a challenge, but it had sparked Kristen's interest in solving the food swamp issue. I don't think that the solution to food swamps, the grocery stores, a new grocery store alone 
will sort of, you know, solve the food swamp issue, um, which is some of what my goal has been um, in terms of translating my research, but also the research I know about nationally, like other places, other cities some comparable to, to Hartford um, in the North End, not all, but to bring both, you know, what I know about other evaluations and other grocery stores that have opened in food deserts that are majority black and brown and what happened, what's gone right and what's gone wrong. Community partners such as United Way and Yukon were able to come together to attend to the residents' needs. This allowed the community to learn about the different options that exist and the support behind them. So it's like a layered thing. It's the the residents that live there. And then they're the community partners, like the hospital, United Way, UConn. So those folks are convening the group to find out what do the residents want. So it's like two layers of community there. And I was there in the meetings when the, the community partners at the like YMCA Uh, convened the resident groups and had them vote on the projects that they wanted. And that's when they voted on the store. Krista witnessed the city of Philadelphia trying to solve the food insecurity problem, ultimately failing partly because they failed to consider the bigger picture of the city's entire food ecosystem. One of the things that as I look at other evaluations of supermarkets and grocery stores, like in Philadelphia, for example, is that they added the the new grocery store in without any understanding of the rest of the food environment surrounding it, right? So there's a difference between adding a supermarket. Sure, it's a food desert, but food desert maps and measures only tell you the counts or access to a grocery store. It doesn't tell you anything about what's there in place of it. In spite of the increased perceptions of access to healthy foods that came from this grocery store project, Ultimately, the lack of community engagement in Philadelphia contributed most to its failure. Also, it was introduced, they lacked community engagement in that process, that when you don't show the respect to the community to involve them in the decision-making, the location, the type of store, down to the types of food options and spices that are sold there, there can be a backlash because, it one, it's, it's honestly disrespectful. Baltimore is an example of a city that has succeeded in trying to solve the problem of food insecurity. She explains the Food Policy Council, a group of representatives from many sectors, including farmers, food distributors, retailers, and others, to improve the food system. Baltimore has a very strong food policy council, but they also, the local government, invested in a food policy director. So there is an official whose job it is to implement, monitor, and enforce food policies for the city, and that's the job. So when it's that specific, that means that they can focus, right, and do it and do it well. So in Baltimore, you have this combination of a food policy council that's strong, you've got a food policy director, the local government that's behind it, you've got Johns Hopkins and other local organizations that are, um, which they of course have a medical arm as well, to bring in that skill set and those students and, and researchers to help funnel in data and evidence to go along with it. And so when you look at 
what they've done. I mean, their healthy corn store initiatives led by Dr. Joe Gittleson there are nationally known because it just shows like how impactful initiatives are when they're interdisciplinary, they're multi-sector. When planning and developing ideas for an accessible new grocery store, Kristen underscores why it is so important to show respect for the community that it will be located within, especially given the historical oppression that marginalized people in the neighborhood have faced. And in some cases, uh, particularly predominantly Black American neighborhoods who have a you know long history of oppression via land access and you know looking and, and being cognizant are very sophisticated about signs of gentrification and being pushed out without bringing the lived experience in the community of voice to where where you put the store, what the store type is, then it can be one of the backlash causes are that it's, it can be seen as a sign of gentrification. With food insecurity stemming from racism, poverty, and geographic inequity, what does Kristen expect in the future for other cities after the Healthy Hartford Hub? The process, the how things are done around the Healthy Hartford Hub is... It's just as important, if not more important than if it gets done, when it gets done, right? It needs to be done in a way that is setting an example for future inclusive decision-making processes to happen. Kristen Cooksey Stowers brings a wealth of expertise in food and health policy to help Hartford. Although a grocery store is not the only option, If done correctly, this can be the start of a healthy community and set an example for other cities that are experiencing the same problem. Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. 